Amen. So this is the second service, and I did it in the first service. But you lots have had an extra one or two hours. So you really have to be very lively and support me as I go along. Now, so thank you, David, for the opportunity again. And um, we've been doing the Live As Worship series. And today I'm going to be sharing on the topic of authentic surrender. Amazing, isn't it? I'm going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to be read, reading parts of it. So let's loosen up, have an open heart, and let's go. Now, first of all, how many times have you tried to share your faith with a friend or a colleague or, you know, a relative or family member? And they've come back to you and said, but actually, if there's a God... Why is there so much suffering? And sometimes they say to you, we know of Christians who, who are broke, who have died tragically, who are ill, who are going through stuff. So if really there, there is a God, why did he allow that? Many times, I mean in my younger days, I'll just move on to the next one because I have no words. I have no answers. But now I say, well, we live in a fallen world. And there's evil all around. Now, this morning, I want to ask, why are we here? Church is not just for entertainment. Why are we really in this race? I want us to think deep down and have some personal reflection this morning. Ask ourselves some hard, hard questions. How can we worship in the midst of so much hardship? How can we serve a God who permits, who allows so much suffering I want to ask you, family, this morning, in your sober moments when no one is there with you, have you ever asked yourself, is this the kind of faith I signed up for? Have you ever wondered or contemplated giving it all up and going back into the world. Hard questions. But these are things we ponder about or we ponder on when we are struggling. And sometimes, let's be real, this faith is a struggle. Or am I the only one? <laughs> now this morning, I want to bring a word of hope to three groups of people. Those who are discouraged, those who are desperate, those who are distracted. David was calling it the three Ds. And I think I fall into all those groups. We are in a race. 
Let's go very quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read 1 to 4 and then jump to 6 and 7. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind the veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious lights of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. I'm going to 6 now. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts, so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. And this actually for me is the clincher, verse 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. Another version says, earthen vessels containing this great treasure. And this makes it clear that our power is from God and not from ourselves. Amazing. Now this chapter opens up with Apostle Paul addressing the believers at Corinth. Christians like us. And essentially what he was saying was that the gospel is simple, clear, and easily understood. And the facts are undisputed. He then went on to say that those who fail to understand are those that have been blinded by Satan with different ideologies, those who are perishing. And then Paul went to talk about three important things. The light of God shining in the darkness of our lives. The glory of God displayed through us believers. And in verse 7, he talks about the power of God. Treasure in earthen vessels. We carry God's light. We carry God's glory. We carry God's power. We carry God. Treasure in earthen vessels. Fragile clay pots. I was saying in the first service, I, look, I looked around the room and everybody was looking beautiful, just like, just like you are now. But underneath our makeup and beautiful finery, we all have our scrapes, our cracks, and our bumps. The term earthen vessel, fragile clay pots, 
denotes our vulnerability. We can easily break. We can easily crack. It denotes the descriptive term for our basic humanity. And yet, and yet, family, the Lord has entrusted us with treasure, with himself, with his person. Treasure in earthen vessels, and that's us. Therefore, there's a humility that is expected of us as we carry this treasure. The Bible clearly says that our power is from God alone and not from ourselves. Let's quickly jump to verse 8 and 8 to 10 now. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. Another version says, not driven to hopelessness. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. I read a version that said, knocked down, but not knocked out. Verse 10, verse 10 says, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. This morning, we're going to focus on authentic surrender. And we're going to be talking about stones, that magic word that nobody wants. But guess what? Storms mark us. Storms stand us out for Jesus. Storms bear witness to our faith. And storms will come, whether we like it or not. Now, in these verses, Apostle Paul had painted a picture, or four pictures actually, of Christian endurance. Four pictures. A picture of pressure. Pressured in every way, Paul said, but not crushed. I think that's what Ford Football Club. And the pressure is on that footballer to score the winning goal. Pressure from his team, pressure from the fans. A picture of confusion. Perplexed, but not hopeless. I could say that that was myself and my husband in our younger days. <laughs> and he's probably saying to me, how much milk do the, do the twins drink? How much milk did you buy? Do we need to get a cow instead? <laughs> because the figures are not just adding up. Adding up. 
Our wages haven't increased, but our bills have. And one plus one doesn't make two anymore. Confusion is in the land. But the Bible says perplexed, but not hopeless. A picture of being hunted down. Hunted down by your own, by your colleagues, by your friends. Hunted down by your kind. I was reading that a hundred million animals are killed each year by trophy hunters. A hundred million animals. But that's a different thing. How about being hunted down by your kind? Out in the woods, in the, in the forests, it's a, it's a eat me, eat you game. It's either I eat you or you eat me. And there are no winners. Do we feel at times that we're being hunted down? A picture of being knocked down. You know when you watch um, a boxing match and the boxer is on the floor and you're thinking, that's the end. It's never going to get up. It's finished now. And the referee is counting, one, two, three, and all of that. And suddenly there's some movement and he gets up and everybody screams. That's us. We are knocked down but not knocked out. We will rise again. And Jesus wins all the time. Jesus always, always wins. Now, I wish I could say to you, like I said in the first service, that's all going to get better. I can't. The Bible says in the last days, perilous times will come. And we're in the last days, family. We're in the last days. It's going to get worse. The darkness is going to get deeper. But guess what? The light of God will shine brighter and brighter in that darkness. And we carry that light. But our life's journeys are non-negotiable. We can't look at that list and say, I don't mind being a little confused, a little perplexed from time to time. But I certainly don't want to be pressed. I don't want to be knocked down. And I don't want to be hunted down. Definitely not. It's not a pick and mix selection. Authentic surrender means, Lord, I surrender to your will. We get whatever God permits. We take whatever God wills. Authentic surrender. I've been through many storms. As a family, we've been through many storms. And in the last few weeks, we've been listening to people's testimonies. And we've been rejoicing with them. How many of us know, without a storm, there's no testimony? Without a test, there's no testimony. And our storms 
Marcos. I'm going to share a story about myself, about my family. So in 2013, we took our second son, then 19-year-old, to the U.S. for university. He had gotten um, a part-time football or soccer scholarship. Now, this was a big decision for the family. And I sat Toby down. I said, Toby, you know, this is mom and son discussion now. You've worked very hard. But if I don't get the leading, you are not going. So are you going to pray with me? Are you going to fast with me? Are you going to seek counsel with me? We prayed and we fasted and we sought counsel. And we got the green light to go. It was like everything was lined up. There was no iota of reservation. And at 19, we took him there. We got there in August, stayed with him for a few weeks, and then we left him there. And school was supposed to start end of August, September, and the football season as well. And on the 6th of August, 6th of September rather, I got a call that almost changed my son's life forever. He said, Mommy, I don't know what I was doing, but I fell on my knee. My knee is ruptured. I thought it was just, you know, football injury will heal in a few days. But then he had ruptured every single tissue in his knee, every tendon, every ligament, and every nerve. And all he was left with was a dangling, lifeless left leg. Luckily, we had paid for health insurance, so we didn't have to pay for the surgery, which was almost $100,000. And they had to bring in specialists from different parts of the U.S. because they had never seen that type of damage. They got in um, a bone specialist and then a nerve specialist who came and said, well, we need to do some grafting here because this nerve is gone. But by the time they opened him up, they were, they, they, the guy said, there's nothing I can do. I haven't seen this kind of injury. At this point, we were not talking about football anymore. We were faced with the prospect that he may never walk. And the um, nerve surgeon said to me, ma'am, you have to pray. And when doctors say to you, you have to pray, it means it's out of their hands. And he had this leg brace from his ankle to his hip. And when he would go out, people would say to him, do you have an artificial leg? And then one day, mind you, he was in so much pain, drugged up to his eyeballs with opioid um, painkillers. And to the glory of God, he didn't end up being an opioid addict. That was the first miracle. But one day he said, 
Mom, I'm going to take off the brace. Mind you, for a leg that hasn't been used, it was lifeless. It was one quarter of its normal size. He just couldn't move it. He was dragging it along like an appendage. And one day he said to me, I'm taking off this brace. Mommy, I've prayed, I've fasted, I'm going to faith it now. And if God wants to see me drag this thing along, so be it. And then one day, he called me from his bedroom. Mom! I don't know whether I'm dreaming, Mom, but come and see. My leg is moving. My leg is moving, and I looked at the leg, and it was moving like um, Stephanie's moving her, her feet. Moving, you know, little. And with time, within a few months, he was back to full form. He went back to uni. He went back to football. And in the first game post-injury, he scored the winning goal for his team. Yes. That is God. He lost a year because of his injury. But guess what? He graduated with two majors instead of one. Did God see this storm coming? Yes. Could God have stopped it. Yes, absolutely. But did God take the glory in the end? Amazingly, yes. Our storms mark us. I say to Toby now, he's finished his working. I say to him, you have the mark of Christ on you and you're not going anywhere. God saved you for a reason. Yes. And no matter what happens, you're coming back to him. You belong to him. Yes. You are marked with a purpose. God didn't do that by accident. Our storms mark us. And due to that incident, Things changed for me and my husband who's there and my family. Things changed. I don't want to go into the details, but things changed. I'm going to talk about something else that you would think has no relation to what we've been talking about. I'm going to be talking about skincare. You're going to say, what, what, what does skincare have to do with this today? <laughs> now, the skincare industry is worth trillions of dollars for men and women who look after their faces. You would know. Now, more men look after their faces than women. <laughs> if you go to super drugs or boots or John Lewis, and just look at their skincare range. Every single lotion 
makes your skin glow. <laughs> Every single lotion removes wrinkles overnight. <laughs> Tell me, I've tried them all. <laughs> and every single lotion makes you 20 years younger. <clears throat> the greatest deception of the 21st century. Every single lotion has the same thing and you are confused. We have all been sold a scam. We have been defrauded. We have been deceived. But where am I going this morning with this? Have we been sold a fake gospel as well? What gospel have, have we subscribed to? Have we been sold a scam? Have we unwittingly sugarcoated this gospel in a bid to make it more attractive? Have we tried to source things up a bit more to make it more palatable? to our audience, to the people we want to attract. What kind of gospel have we been sold? And as I was preparing this message, I had the analogy of two skincare ranges, the fake and the original, the real deal. Have we subscribed to a fake gospel. The one that says, come to Jesus and life will be sweet. The one that says no more sorrow, no more pain. It's going to be smooth sailing from now on. The one that says anything and everything is permitted in the kingdom. Come as you are, be whoever you want to be. You don't even need to change anything. And like Bob Manny said in one of his songs, don't worry about a thing. Everything is going to be all right. Is that kind of gospel the one you've subscribed to? Because family... There's this kind of life does not exist in the kingdom. Life without troubles, without sorrow, without being knocked down, without being hunted down. That kind of life is non-existent in the kingdom. Or have we been sold the real deal? The real deal. Peace in the midst of storms. The peace that passes all understanding. You look at somebody who is going through stuff and not a hair is out of place. 
The person shows up as they normally would, and you never know what they're going through. The peace that passes all understanding is not peace without problems. It's peace within the storms. Have you subscribed to the real deal, the real gospel that says, we will go through the flood, we will go through the fire, but what? God will be the fourth man in the furnace. Have we subscribed to the gospel that says, not everything is permitted in the kingdom. The Bible is clear on certain issues. They are not permitted in the kingdom. No apologies. No apologies. The Bible is the Bible and God is God. There's no new version of the Bible. There's no new God. There's no new doctrine. There are things that are not permitted, and we as Christians should stop sugarcoating stuff. As a matter of fact, one of the first things that Jesus did, second thing actually, after turning water to wine, was to go into the temple and throw everything out. And he was saying to them, this is the new order. I'm here now. Things must change. Have we subscribed to the gospel that says, come as you are, but you will be transformed by the power of the almighty God. And lastly, if, and there's a big if, if, you endure till the end. I want to put myself in it now. If we endure till the end, we will be saved. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Yes. If we endure till the end, if we hold on to the end, we will be saved. I like Paul a lot. Because he always concludes his chapters with some reassurance. He gives us the bad stuff, the difficult stuff. Then he says, actually, it's not so bad because this is going to happen. So I'm going to be reading from 17 to 18 now. For our present troubles are small and won't last long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things we cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone. That rising death, that illness, will soon be gone. That storm will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. The things we cannot see, God's glory 
will last forever. Now, the big question is, what really is our goal? Why are we here today? Why are we in this race? Why have we left everything in the world to come and subscribe to this gospel, this good news, to serve Jesus, to follow him? Why? Authentic surrender essentially means surrendering to God's will, no matter what. Staying in the boat, no matter what. There's no switching lanes. There's no jumping ship. Staying in the boat, no matter what. Serving God and worshipping God in the midst of the storm. That's what we've been called to. Now, what is our goal? Why are we in this race? What do we hope to achieve at the end of our journey? Apostle Paul says, I put everything, I beat my body. I forget about what I haven't achieved. I press on to the mark of the high calling of God. I press on to collect that prize from God. That was his chiefest goal. I press on to see God's face in the end. I press on to be welcomed to heaven. I press on so that I can hear God say to me, welcome in my servants. Enter into your rest. Rest from your troubles. I press on because there's a crown to be won at the end. And hopefully our crowns will not be empty. Authentic surrender. As I close this morning, you may be here and you are discouraged. Nothing seems to be making sense. You may be desperate about to take a decision that ordinarily you wouldn't have taken. You may be distracted by what is going on around you. God is saying, I've got you. I know you up close and personal. That storm will not kill you. There's somebody who is watching me online from Africa right now. And I'm saying to him, that storm will not kill you. He told me he's watching. That storm will not kill you. You know who you are. That storm will not be the end of us. The Lord will give us the grace to weather that storm. I said before, the storms will come not, not if, when. Now Jesus at the end of his sermon on the mount, the last thing he said was, 
He gave us the tale of two houses. One built on the sand and the other built on the rock. The storm came and none of the houses was spared from that storm. We've just gone through two heat waves and everybody was sweating and drinking water and it was not selective to the non-believers. The storm will come but the question is are you standing on the rock? Is your faith unshakable? Are you saying, Lord, bring it on. I know you're with me. People are watching, you know. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Watching how we live. How we handle pressure. Watching whether we are really faithful to this God that we so, we profess to love. I want us this morning to think about where we are with Jesus. Are you thinking of giving up? Please don't. Are you thinking of going back into the world? There's nothing there. Your place there has been taken. Are you thinking of giving it all up and saying, I'm not doing this anymore? Please wait. Stay in the boat. The Lord has you in the palm of his hand. Is your faith in Christ solid? And perhaps you are here and you don't even know this Jesus that we are talking about. You don't even have a relationship with him. Or perhaps you had a relationship but it's now a long distance one. Can we all rise up on our feet? Please. And if we can keep and, and if we can close our eyes, please. Just believe you're here alone in this room with Christ. Don't think about anybody else or anything else. Don't worry about your death. Don't worry about that storm that is brewing or that storm that you're in right now. We are here to face Jesus, the stealer of the storms and the patter of red seas. Have you given your life to Christ? Have you settled the matter of your salvation? Have you subscribed to the real deal? This Jesus that saves, this Jesus that heals, this Jesus that delivers. Please don't look around. All eyes closed, please. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I really want to know this Jesus again. I really want to be serious now. Please just lift your hand up. I'm not going to call you to the front. It's a personal decision. 
if you want to really know this Jesus who can help you through your storms, who can help you through life, please just raise your hand just a little bit above your head. There's nothing to be ashamed of. We've all done it one, one day. Just lift up your hand and say, Lord Jesus, I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to know you. I'm ready to serve you afresh. Or perhaps you are here and your relationship with Jesus has been a bit tricky lately. And you want to say, Lord, okay now, I'll come back home. I've changed my mind. I'm home now. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. Please lift up your hand. Make that decision today. I want to believe, because no one has lifted up their hands, that we are all back into God's fold. We're all renewed and rededicated and ready to go. So can we all say after me, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you because you have me in the palm of your hand. Thank you because you know me up close and personal. Thank you because nothing happens to me without your say-so. I rededicate my life to you. I subscribe to the real deal. I want to live my life for you, Jesus. I want to serve you with all my heart. I'm ready to forgo the world. I'm ready to take my eye off my circumstance and focus on my goal. I want to focus on you, Jesus. Lord, have your way. Authentic surrender. Living for Jesus regardless. Lord, I pray for your children. I pray for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl under the sound of my voice this morning. We need a shift in the spirit. We have made the move to move back home and to live totally, absolutely dependent on you. Totally, fully surrendered to your will, oh God. Come what may, come sun, come, come shine, come rain, come storm. Immovable, unshakable. Give us the grace to stand, oh God. I pray for families that are struggling. Perhaps you are in the room today and you are struggling. Families are struggling. No one is spared in this cost of living crisis. 
grant us grace, oh God, to weather this storm. We pray for your mercy. We pray, oh God, for supernatural supply. We remind you, Lord, of the two fishes and five loaves of bread. Lord, you can do it again even now. We pray, Lord Jesus, that our barns will be filled with food, with produce, even in this time of famine, oh God. Perhaps your crisis is not a financial crisis. Perhaps it's an emotional crisis. The Lord has got you as well. Father, we pray for those who are struggling with their mental health. We pray for peace, oh God. We pray for peace, oh God. We pray for strength, Lord Jesus, for them. We pray for those who don't even know what's going to happen to their jobs. Lord, we pray. You've told us that we will be knocked down but not knocked out, oh Lord. It's a promise. We surrender to your will. You won't put us to shame. Your word is yes and amen and we can take you by your word. You are the God of covenants. And you do not change. Father, Lord, we thank you. 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 